brainwashed. That's the, that's the title of our message today. I don't, I don't actually have my uh, PowerPoint clicker. Maybe Jessica, you could like help me by clicking along or Cami or somebody. But you have been brainwashed. Did you know that? Did you? Did anyone tell you in school? Did you find out yet? No? So God told me that we got brainwashed somewhere along the way. And what has happened is that the enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, demons, have been assigned, right, to manipulate the way that you think so that you don't think God is good, so that you don't think God is real, so that you don't think God wants to help you, so that you don't think God has good things for you. And if you don't believe me when I say that, I'll ask you this question. Who is God? A.W. Tozer said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. He goes as far to say that if I can get an honest answer out of you and what you think God is and who you think God is, I can actually tell you how your life is going to end up spiritually. If there isn't some sort of intervention with how you think about God, because say maybe you think about God and your view of God is a little bit small or a little bit condensed, or maybe you just don't think that he's good at all, and there's no sort of intervention that helps you to think differently about God, then you are headed towards not believing in God at all. Maybe you've never heard about God at all or Jesus, and you're like, wow, I got invited to church tonight, and this guy is crazy. And I am. I'm crazy about Jesus, and I'm crazy passionate about you having an opportunity to know the God that I know, because the God in heaven that I know, the one that picked me up from my lowest points of depression and anxiety and frustration and anger and made me into a new thing that doesn't experience the same emotions, and at least when I do, I have someone or something to fall back on outside of um, social media and whatever other drug that I would medicate with normally, has made me just so passionate and excited about this, and so I might sound a little bit crazy, but what if we got brainwashed? For real, like what, what if we got brainwashed, and, and really what happened was instead of our thinking being manipulated by Satan, instead of our thinking being manipulated by the world, by culture, by secular society, we were brainwashed by Jesus. What if his grace, his mercy, his love, his joy actually washed over us and, and cleansed our brains and made us think clearly about God? What if we actually shifted the way that we thought about God? I hope that when I say, what do you think about God, you don't go, oh, he's that one guy that somehow has a building here and people just like to talk about him. I hope that when you think about God, you think of a loving, amazing father. You think of someone who actually cares about you. You think of someone that wants to be involved in your life, that would listen to you. And if you feel like it's just a little bit off, and maybe you just don't think about God the same way Cole thinks about God, or the same way your youth leader thinks about God, or the same way that you maybe know you should think about God, then maybe you have to take a step back and recognize and realize that like, I, oh shoot, I got brainwashed. You guys ever watched um, The Incredibles? Number two. It's like next level. I mean, the, the, my favorite part has gotta be when they start to realize that Jack-Jack has powers 
and he's like out there fighting the raccoon. You know what I'm saying? He's like wrestling, and then all of a sudden he's shooting laser eyes at him, and he's like crossing his eyes to cut the umbrella so he falls further down, and then the umbrella encapsulates him, and then he's setting it on fire. It's pretty wild. I was watching it today with my daughter, who probably shouldn't be watching TV. She's like 19 months old. And the only parts she liked, though, were when the baby started changing into stuff. And as soon as the raccoon and Jack-Jack started fighting, she started going, no, 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 no. I was like, oh, that's really sad. Don't worry, they're going to win. He's going to win. He's going to beat the raccoon. Don't worry. She's no, no, no. And then all of a sudden, he turns into like a ball of fire, and she's like, <gasps> like that is probably a lot for my 19-month-old daughter to watch. But in that movie, the whole, the whole concept, right, is that there's a screenslaver, and he's got this, this mask that the superheroes end up wearing, and it doesn't allow them to think clearly. They've got the superpowers, but they just follow other people's orders. I would go as far as to say that we are exactly the same as the people in the movie who have been enslaved by the screens. To just do whatever culture says, to just do whatever Satan says, to just do whatever we think is maybe the right thing or feels right in the moment, or we just are, are following the rabbit hole of clicking one thing to the next until we're looking at porn again. We didn't ever mean to, but like it just, just happened. Or maybe I just had a little bit too much coffee and so I snapped back at my mom and then all of a sudden she's snapping back at me and then we're screaming at each other and I'm slamming the door in her face. Right, like how often are we being just brainwashed by our circumstances to not follow Jesus the way that we'd want to? Are you with me? Because I'm watching that movie and I'm thinking, whoa, like how different is it really? It doesn't seem all that different. It doesn't seem all that different from the things that I experience. But I really want to offer you this opportunity tonight, whether you've been in the room for a long time and you're just not doing so hot right now, or you've been in the room for months and you're just, you've got Jesus moving in your heart and you're excited about what he's doing in your life. I think no matter where we're at, we need a, just a cleansing a new cleaning, a new brainwashing from Jesus that allows us to experience freedom and peace and joy. And I have a Bible verse for us. It's Isaiah 9, 6. Next slide. Yeah, Isaiah 9, 6. It's coming up on Christmas time. We always talk about this one at Christmas time if you're in church, but it says, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And let's just, let's just hang out on the last one, Prince of Peace, for a moment. Did you know that Prince of Peace is, another, is a name that they gave to Jesus, right? This is the person they're talking, they're talking about Jesus, the, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the eternal father, and the prince of peace. You can go to the next one. Jesus is our prince of peace over anxiety, stress, and depression. Absolutely. But he cannot be a prince of peace over something he doesn't own. Have you thought about that? Like, let's, let's roll it back in time a little bit. You have kings and queens, and they rule different lands, and one's a really good ruler, but maybe one's a really bad ruler. 
just because there's a really good ruler, a really good God, doesn't mean that everything is just going to be good. But everything that he owns can come into alignment with his goodness. Or in other words, Jesus can't be the prince of peace over your anxiety if he isn't the prince over your anxiety first. He can't be the peace in your depression if he's not first the prince over your depression and your life. He can't provide peace to your circumstances and your frustration about the sports team if he's not first the prince over the circumstance that brought you to that place. You know what I'm saying? Like he can't, he can't just like walk into your life and take hold of it and shake you a little bit as much as he probably would like to. I, I talk to a couple students from time to time and they share with me what's going on in their life. And I'm just like, do you not see around you how good God is? He is so good. I just want to like shake you up so that you realize how good he really is. But the reality is that, that you have to make a decision to step from one side of the fence to the other, to step some, from one side of the line to the other, to trust and believe that you're going to make Jesus prince over your life. And when you do, he can offer you the peace that comes with that. But if you just keep doing it on your own and saying, well, he's the prince of peace, but he never gives me any peace. It doesn't work like that. You have to make him the prince over your life before he can give you peace. You have to say, God, I surrender this situation to you. I surrender my anxiety to you, and so I want your peace. And whatever happens in the circumstances, whatever, I trust that you're going to make it okay. You're going to be there. You're going to give me peace. You know, I don't have this one in my notes, but I've been thinking a lot about anxiety lately. And the contrast between anxiety and faith. I think I shared it with you guys, but I will share, maybe not, I'll share it really can. We can't experience anxiety and faith at the same time. Faith's a cliche word Christians talk about all the time. I'm making my faith, my faith is growing. Like I say it too, I get it, okay? But think about faith as the action, a belief in a thing unseen that has not yet come. I have faith in Jesus. Like, I've never seen Jesus, but I have faith that he existed. I've never seen God. I have faith in God. When I pray, I have faith that he'll answer my prayers, even if I don't necessarily see it. Do we know what faith is? Okay, anxiety is when we create an outcome in our mind that hasn't yet happened yet. It's like thinking into the future and going, oh, I'm going to get in an accident tonight, so I am too nervous to drive home. That's an extreme, right? Maybe you've been in a car accident. You've been there. I was in a car accident. I got so anxious to drive. I was like, like a grandma in the slow lane. You know what I'm saying? If I do get in a wreck, at least I won't be going very fast. But here's the thing. Both faith and anxiety take imagination. Both faith and anxiety take imagination. Faith is imagination and trust in God that a good thing will happen, that he's got your back, that he is the Prince of Peace, the wonderful counselor, a mighty God. Anxiety is imagination that any bad thing is going to happen to me anytime. I, I struggled with some serious anxiety in high school and junior high to the extent that I, I couldn't eat in front of my peers because, no joke, the anxious thought that I was going to puke on the table 
And if I didn't eat, I wouldn't open my mouth. And if I didn't open my mouth, I couldn't puke. It's whack. Doesn't sound a little bit whack? I hope it does. Maybe you're there and you've, you've experienced that same anxious thought, and so it doesn't sound that crazy. But if you've never felt anxiety like that, it's a little crazy. Okay? But my faith was in my anxiety. And it caused me to experience a negative circumstance. It caused me to not be able to eat, to get jittery, to, to feel anxious in those moments. If instead I would have put my faith in God right from the get-go and trusted that a good thing would happen, instead of faith that my depression is going to show up or faith that my stress is going to show up or that my anxiety is going to show up or even to the extent of saying faith that God's not going to show up when I go to read my Bible. Faith that God's not going to show up when I say that prayer at night. Faith that God's not going to show up when I'm standing in worship because he just hasn't yet. What if instead we had faith that said he is going to show up because he said he would? He is going to touch you because he said he would. He is going to provide for you because he said he would. He is going to come back one day because he said he would. I don't know about you, but I am tired of putting my faith in my brainwashed circumstances that cause me to think only negative things about the world around me. Instead, I want to put my faith in a king of kings, in a lord of lords, in a prince of peace that, that, that promises an amazing outcome for me if I'll just be faithful to what he's asked me to, which is really just like doing good things and not bad things. It's not a whole rule book. It's just like... Will you look out for the poor and needy? Will you smile at your neighbor? Will you show love and kindness instead of discord and frustration? And all those things come as we just draw it closer into a relationship with him. Psalms 23. Let me turn there real quick. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. This is my favorite chapter in the Bible right now. I've been going crazy with this one. No joke, look at all the marks I have already. Maybe you can't see from there, but there's a lot. It's this one. Mostly pen. Anyways, it says this. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It says, he guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let's look at just that part right there. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. You guys know about shepherds? No? It's not really an occupation these days in North America. But it still is an occupation in other parts of the world where they actually have flocks that they lead from one place to the next to ensure that they have green pastures, new grass, because sheep can actually eat the same grass for so long that they just start eating like the dirt because there's no grass left and they're dumb enough to not go on their own. They actually listen to the shepherd's voice. It's kind of crazy how that works, right? And then they lead them to water when they need water and they provide refreshment. And so in this, it's really kind of interesting. We become the sheep all of a sudden. David's the sheep writing this, right? David was a shepherd, so he knew all about shepherds and, and he he looked at God at his, as his shepherd, and he said, wherever you go, I'll follow, because I trust that if I go, I have faith that if I go where you lead me, it's going to provide for me gr green pastures to lie down in. 
If I go where you lead me, it's going to provide for me quiet waters to sleep by. He doesn't say, like, I'm going to take you to the craziest, wildest place, and while you're there, you're going to be fine. Like, no, there is actually a promise in the Bible that God will relieve your depression, your stress, your anxiety, your frustration, and just give you peace. It's right there. Like, absolutely a promise from God. He's going to guide you along right past, and it says, even though I walk through that darkest valley... Darkest valley is a word used in the Bible, or the translation of the word. I won't tell you the actual Hebrew word. It's too hard to pronounce, and I look like an idiot. So it's only used a couple different times in the Bible, and it can be translated darkest valley, valley of the shadow of death. can be translated into like our concept of what hell would be. So David, a man who actually struggled with mental health, if you read the Psalms, you'll see it. Even if I walk through hell on earth, you are with me. Why do we continue to choose to do our own thing and be just sheep that don't want to have a shepherd, to do our own thing, to go our own way, to follow the brainwashed patterns of this world instead of just listening to the shepherd's voice for an opportunity that I know that when I walk through hell on earth, he's going to be right by my side? That when I walk through the deepest, darkest valley of depression and anxiety and whatever mental health thing you might be going through, that he's going to be right there with you. And you don't need to fear that any evil might happen to you because he's right there. That is like, that is the promise. That is the thing. That is why we want to have relationship with Jesus because whether or not you are following God right now or ever will, you are going to go through some stuff. You are going to go through some stuff, whether it's your parents or a friend or a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a future spouse, a child. I don't know what it is for your future, but you are going to go through some stuff. And you are going to try to figure it out on your own. But what if, instead of figuring it out on your own, we just turned our head towards the shepherd's voice and trust that he was going to lead us right back to the quiet waters, to the green pasture. Does that not sound pretty nice right about now? I think so. All of us are in a different spot. But I would say all of us have come to a point where we've looked for someone, something, a friend, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a leader, a pastor, a small group leader, a parent even, maybe a sibling that would walk with us through the darkest valley. And if they haven't failed you yet, they will because they're not God. I want to I wanna say from this platform that I would love to walk through whatever dark valley that you're going through. Jess and I would love to come alongside you and be with you in that moment. But I promise you that we will fail you. We will do everything in our human power to not, but we will fail you. And if you don't have God right there along your side, it doesn't matter what your leader, your parent, your pastor, your friend, your sibling, your aunt and uncle, grandparents says, you're going to end up at the end of your rope with no one else there. 
But the amazing thing is, is that you go to the second part of this verse in Psalm 23, and God promises something so much more than just walking with you through those things. In the first part of this psalm, uh, David outlines in, in verses 1, 2, and 3, right? He outlines all of the good things that God has done, and then he says, he'll even guide me and make my path right in verse 4 through the darkest valley. But then he says, even in the darkest valley, even in the presence of my enemies, you'll prepare a table, you provide for me in my darkest moment. You'll anoint my head with oil, my cup will overflow, meaning God will just provide so much that you don't even have anywhere to keep it. His goodness and mercy his goodness and love will follow you all the days of your life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. i tell you this. If nothing else, know this tonight, that whether you see victory tonight over your circumstances, your struggle, your thing, God has victory for you. Because he promises it. He says, I'll walk you with you through the darkest valley and on the other side of the darkest valley, when you get through that trashy moment, that spite of depression, that anxiety, that argument, whatever it is that's, that's just holding you down, that he's got victory for you. And when we choose to dwell in the house of the Lord, his goodness and mercy follows us forever. I mean, how good is that? I'm not just saying come to church. Dwell in the house of the Lord. Dwell in the presence of God. Right? Like, do your soap every day because when you do, the goodness of God just has an opportunity to be on you. But when you don't, like, how is it supposed to? You want God to show up in your life, but you're not willing to open this book? I'm telling you what, guys, like, he can't. Why do we expect that? Why do we expect that? We keep choosing to fight it. We keep choosing to, to, to be anxious. We keep choosing to feel depressed. But why don't we just choose to read our Bible a little bit more often instead of watching Netflix or instead of playing Fortnite or instead of scrolling on social media? It's, it's okay to do those things. Absolutely. Hope you have fun with it. It's okay to enjoy social media. It's okay to find friends on Fortnite and just jam out in the middle of the night. But if you're using those things to overcome your circumstance instead of turning to God first, then where are we going? Because it's only going to work for so long, right? And God promises victory. So tonight, we need to choose to be brainwashed. Two words. We need to choose to have our brain washed by Jesus' blood. We need to choose to have our brain washed and cleansed and made new and whole. We need to choose to be made new. So I want to offer you guys the opportunity tonight. We did this last week. We're going to do it again tonight. Just an opportunity the worship team's got a song to end with. Here's the thing, guys. I'm so stoked that we raised money for missions. 
I'm so stoked that there's a bunch of people in the room. I'm stoked that we are doing cool things, that we've got fun stuff after youth. But at the end of the day, if, if one person would have showed up tonight and this book was real to them in a new way, that's all that really matters. Right? If one of you showed up tonight and you went home and you read through Psalm 23 and you just said, God, will you provide for me a green pasture and a quiet waters because I don't have it right now? That's cool. That's all that needed to happen. If, if we would have raised zero dollars and you invited one friend that came and realized that there was something beyond their circumstance that could provide hope and life and joy, isn't that all that, that matters? So this choice to be made new isn't just a choice to say like, wow, that message was good and moved me and I really like to worship songs and I'm so excited that we raised money. No, I, I want you to like really think about the opportunity that you have to choose Jesus over all the other stuff. But when you do that, it, it's really easy. It's really easy to... to emotionally respond and say, I choose Jesus. And then to turn around and just think that he'll step into that circumstance without your invitation. It's really easy to just think that everything's just gonna be better now, I chose Jesus. And that's the start, right? You have to choose Jesus, but then you have to start to build a relationship with him. Then you have to start to build a relationship with others. You have to start to be intentional with him. You have to start to read your Bible and take notes. You have to start to worship Jesus on your own. You have to start to really be intentional because if you're not, if you're not, you're just gonna, you're gonna be like, I, I choose Jesus and then I'm just gonna go back to my own self, my old ways, my things, right? That help me get through my circumstances the next time they pop up. So we're not going to think about it. We're not going to talk about it a lot. I just want you to know that if you choose Jesus tonight, that, that I really want you to choose Jesus in every sense, not just in the, yeah, I, I want to choose Jesus. No, like, come ask me for a Bible. Come ask me where to read in the Bible. Ask your small group leader where to read in the Bible. Go deeper. Go further. Don't just, don't just do it one more time because maybe I'll go to heaven. Do it because you want relationship with the living God that, that gives you so much more than what you might have otherwise. So right now, I, I want to just open the altar. If you want to uh, rededicate your life to Jesus, maybe you, you already believe in Jesus 100% and you're like, yeah, he's real, but I haven't been living for Jesus. If you want to come forward to the altar, you can totally do that right now in this moment. Any one of you. And if you're, if you're in the room for the first time and you're moved for the first time to be in relationship with Jesus, or maybe it's been a lot more than, than I believe in Jesus, but I just don't follow him. Maybe you've, you've gone as far as to say, like, I don't think I believe in God anymore. But tonight you want to try again and you want to say, I really want that crazy face that makes Cole sound weird on a Wednesday night. I really want to experience what I see them experiencing at the altar in worship. I really want whatever my friend has and the joy that they have that, in, that brought them into this space tonight. Then I'd invite you to step forward into the altar. 
and trust that when you do that, it, it makes a difference. So let, let's stand up and head into worship. I want you guys to just stay in your seats right now. Unless you're responding to, to Jesus at the altar, I just want you to stay in your seats where you're at. Would you stand with me?